0: Hey, what up, family? Tim Castleman here, and welcome to another edition of the Two Drink Tim podcast with today's special co host, Marijuana. Happy 420, folks. Good evening, good afternoon, and good night to wherever you are. I can only uh, help but imagine how excited and horrified two factions were this year. They're like, 420, hell yeah, it's on Easter. And all the stoners are like, finally, we get a day off to celebrate our holiday. And Christians are thinking... Marijuana Jesus, Hmm. not really what we had hoped to set out for. Hope you had a wonderful and relaxing Easter with your family. Again, welcome to the Two Drink Tim podcast. I am your host, Tim Castleman. It's great to have you here, a part of the day. Hope you had a wonderful Easter and a great weekend. I had a crazy weekend, which I'll be telling you about here in just a moment. Before I do, though, I want to thank you guys, as always, for all the awesome feedback and Um, positive comments about the 2 Drink Tim podcast and the new official 2 Drink Tim podcast cover. Hell yes, your boy spent a whopping large sum of money uh, that may or may not have also equaled $15 uh, to get a brand new 2 Drink Tim podcast cover made. Appreciate all the love and support going out for that. And of course, as always, spreading the word. So let's talk about this crazy weekend I actually had the uh, pleasure air quotes uh, of actually going up to Amarillo on Friday afternoon it's about two hours each way uh, for those of you who don't live in Lubbock and own a map of your brain and I got to hang out with uh, the band Folk Family Revival they are probably one of my most favorite bands of uh, 2013 and are quickly becoming the favorite band for me for 2014 so got to go out hang out with those guys Love getting to do that. Uh, on a couple different levels. First of all, the guys are awesome and amazing. They always make us feel part of their family. It was funny. I was joking with my buddy who uh, went with me on the trip, and at one point I was like, hey man, give me the van keys. I gotta go put some out in the van. And the tour manager, Rio, what's up Rio, if you listen to this? Right? He just throws me the keys like we're buddies. And, uh, and I'm thinking, okay, I've known these guys for about six months, maybe a year now. We've seen them a couple times in concert. We've hung out. We've uh, had some shenanigans together. Uh, what, what, what in a amazing opportunity this is to totally steal everything of theirs and drive off. But I resisted that urge and didn't. Uh, And instead, we got to hang out, uh, hear them play at a uh, a great little venue up there in Amarillo called the Golden Light Cafe. Uh, But the other reason I love going and hanging out with musicians and follow music so quickly is um, it's a great way to learn business. Like the music industry is a crazy business. I look at it as a business that, that is much like uh, movie theaters that they just don't know how to react to this new reality that no one's buying CDs anymore that you have to put out more free content than ever in hopes to drive people to a live show. And so that part is crazy for me to see on the business side but what's even crazier is seeing how the bands react and how they go and for those of you guys who aren't familiar I'm going to give you a brief and exciting lesson of the music business and that is this. It free sucks to be a band in this day and age because you're having to rely more and more on social media which is awesome because you can build a fan base cheaply and you can get people to your shows but the old model still exists of basically go on the road and tour until you get your big break For example, these guys live in Houston, Texas. They drove all the way up to Amarillo, which is 12 hours one way for a $500 gig. Now, they had gigs along the way. They had a big gig the night before, and they had a gig the following day. But I'm going to imagine... On a good weekend, these guys pulled in twenty five hundred, maybe three thousand bucks. Which you may think, ah, oh, that doesn't sound bad. But think about this: you got four band members, you got a tour manager, Rio, who's with them, right? You probably got some management, you got some booking fees, plus you're responsible for your own gas. And they're just at the level now where they're actually getting accommodations. So we got to camp out at the Clarendon Inn, which if you haven't been there, just go to the worst neighborhood in your town, look for the the rent-by-the-hour hotel, and that'll give you the example of these accommodations. And it's just amazing to me the love these guys have for the music, that they do this not for a month, not for a week, not even for a year. I know bands that have been on the road for 10, 15 years waiting for that big break. So it's just amazing to see it not only from a musicianship side, but also from a business side. Uh, And see kind of the two forces combined. And it's very rare um, that I find bands that are both lyrically and musically talented along with business talent as well. So a lot of these guys have managers and bookers that kind of help it out. So just a crazy weekend. Great to see those guys. They put on a hell of a show. Uh, And then we got to hang out. Uh, We went to IHOP because that's where you go, uh, you know, at 3 o'clock in the morning. And we partied till like 5 a.m. We crashed. By the time we would woke up the next day, they were already on the road headed to their next venue so just amazing talent and respect for those guys you'll be hearing me talk a lot about them uh, they actually did something super cool which was they let us listen to some of the mix tracks from their upcoming unnamed album it's going to be amazing I, I, I wrote this to them uh, earlier today actually I said this is probably one of the most complete albums I've heard in the last 10 years so for a band that's so young putting out their either second or third album uh, doing just amazing work my, my hat's off to you boys uh, plus just your love and dedication to the road. So there's your music update 101. Let's get back to the topic of the hour. Let's let's get back to that, ladies and gentlemen, and that is today is 420. 420, right? Just the stoner holiday. Um, so it's kind of a funny uh, way that it fell on Easter because we have a head shop here in town. And they were actually having a 420 sale. So my buddy, who does some work for them, website-wise, was like, hey, man, I got some money to trade. You want to go down with me and check this place out? And I'm like, "Uh, yes. Why don't we have an apartment and live next to that place like every day? So here's my message to you, ladies and gentlemen who might be listening, who might not be a fan of the stickiest of the ickiest. If you're trying to get your kids to quit drugs or not start drugs, here's my honest-to-God recommendation. Pile them all up in the van, right, and roll down to your local smoke shop, and then have them just sit inside a smoke shop for like 30, 45 minutes, an hour tops. Their body will not be able to handle more than an hour, but 30 to 45 minutes is a good scared straight episode. I was just hanging back, just watching. Like my buddy's checking out different equipment and pieces and things like that. And I'm just sitting back watching the people that come in. And holy cow. Like, you know, you got people at Walmart. They should do people of Weed Mart. Because these folks were ridiculously interesting. I mean, I don't know at what point you just give up on your life. And you think, you know what? I'm going to wear baggy pants that are so baggy that if a gust of wind comes up, I'm in my Hawaii. Or like, you know what? I'm a 40-year-old white male. I think the thing that would make me stand out and be so sexy is dreadlocks. I, I don't know at what point in the whole weed use gateway drug phenomenon that that occurs, but you could see the transformation occurring right there. So, of course, being 420, they had some tremendous deals. My buddy was able to pick up a few pieces of equipment, and we may or may not have tested those out, okay? That's all I'm saying. We, we, and I don't know the names, okay? I'm not an accomplished smoker like some of my buddies out there that apparently have been smoking since they got out of the womb, right? It's all new to me. So my buddy gets this thing that's called a steamroller. And for those of you who don't know what a steamroller is, basically it goes by its street name, holy fucking shit. right. That's the street name the kids are calling it because this thing is just like a pipe, except it produces probably 10 times the amount of smoke. To me, it's like a pipe and a chamber combined. And all I know is I took two or three uh, sample tests for purely tobacco products only, of course. Right. And um, I couldn't feel my legs. I I was like, hmm, did something happen? Did maybe I follow my head and not realize it? Like, what what has occurred here? And it turns out none of that occurred. I just got steamrolled. So, and of course, you know, the fun things, not only about the people that are there, but what about the people that work there? Because those are some interesting people. There was a lady, she was walking. Let me paint the picture, okay? She's got the uh, Daisy Duke... Um, plum huggers as I would call them for guys but I guess they're called Daisy Dukes for girls and she's walking around and she's covered in cellophane like her legs are completely covered in cellophane and I'm like okay um, you've got my attention. Uh, I want to know more. And so I stopped her. I said, okay, okay. Explain to me what what's going on with the legs. And she's like, oh, I just got this huge tattoo. And she unwraps it. And sure enough, she's got a tattoo that basically goes from her shin to right, uh, like midway up her thigh, like on the outside of the knee. And it turns out that she knows the same tattoo artist that gave my wife a tattoo. See, my wife decided for her 30th birthday that she wanted to get a tattoo. So she decided this would be the guy that we, we go see. So it's kind of cool to talk and stuff like that. But like the tattoo thing, I'll be honest, I have mad respect for anyone who has tattoos because I can't ever think of anything I want permanently etched on my body forever. But I got to admit it, like it does change the dynamic of how you're interacted with with society. Like see people that have like face tattoos, and neck tattoos, you know, behind the ear tattoos. They got all these piercings and stuff. It's crazy to see how they interact with the rest of society. Like it's no big deal. And It's like I can't talk to you because you have a plate on your ear. Like, I don't know if you realize this or not, but your ears are like hanging down to your knees. Like, are you gonna, like, is that a swing that you're trying to build with your face there? Like, what exactly is going on? And of course, I have nothing against anybody that likes tattoos and stuff like that. I was joking. I wanna say this, joking before you start the hate mails with my wife that I actually was excited that she was getting a tattoo because it could open up like a whole new level of foreplay and and role-playing for us. Like, you know, instead of like Inspector Tim walks along Harvard, university to find this damsel in distress now now we just changed that scenario since she got the tattoo to like uh inspector tim walks through the trailer park finds her with a tattoo you know six kids busted down car Cinder block house, you know, things like that. So, all right, so let's just do a quick recap. I've upset all the Christians, fundamental Christians. Uh, I probably pissed off all the stoners, but luckily they're too stoned to do anything about it. And I've insulted anybody that's ever had or thought about getting a tattoo. So, all in all, I feel like it's a pretty complete day for me. But it wouldn't be complete without sharing some of this cool knowledge and information that i have for you so in continuing with our thread of getting started if you remember back to episode one we talked about kind of laying the foundation and then episode two i gave you my exclusive dominator niche 4000 formula of learn do teach and the fact that if you learn something that's one huge accomplishment to do it is another huge accomplishment And to teach it is just freaking ridiculously, uh, you know, that's where you have the pinnacle, if you will. So today I want to talk to you guys about something that I'll be honest, I resisted for a long time in my business. And it probably cost me tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of dollars. And that is outsourcing, right? So I've scribbled down on this napkin Uh, from Whataburger uh, outsourcing for fun and profit. So here's the deal when I first got started and when you first get started you're probably going to be tempted to do everything and I think that's necessary at the beginning just so that you have an idea or an understanding of what it takes to accomplish the things necessary to make your business function but the goal needs to be as soon as humanly possible and more importantly financially possible you need to outsource those things as quickly as possible and here's why you can't be all things to all people okay I mean let's just be honest we are probably good at two to three things in our life okay two or three things we're really good at like I I feel like I'm good at sales and marketing and I'm good at idea generation and getting those ideas basically implemented but i suck at a lot of other things like the technical side like doing customer support via email different things like that i just really struggle with so early in my career i tried to do it all with disastrous results my sales pages looked terrible my download pages were practically non-existent so on and so forth so there was a lot of reasons why I stunted my own growth getting started. And that's a huge reason why people peak or they limit their income is not because they don't have a huge message to share with the world. It's that they don't outsource or delegate those things so that they can focus on the most important thing. Pause for drink. By the way, I did not talk about our unofficial sponsor today. Shame on me. Zaya Rum, Z-A-Y-A. Matt Gill hooked me up with this uh, rum about two, three years ago, and if you ever find my address in Arna Creeper, you can feel free to send me as many bottles as you'd like to. It's a delicious rum. It's a 12-year-old rum, and it's like 30, 35 bucks. It's amazing. A little bit of ice, a little bit of self-regret, all mixed up into a chilled bottle. You're good to go. All right, so... The thing that I would recommend to get started with is to write a list of everything that you have to do in your business and then just write on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being like I love it, I do it for free, 1 being like please punch me in the face and have my entire family killed before I do it and basically make a list and rate each task. And honestly, any task that's an 8 or below or maybe a 7 or below, you need to start outsourcing as quickly as possible. And here's a big reason for that. One, it's going to allow you to focus all your energy, okay, on the stuff that you do the best. So think about that, right? It's like, man, I'm really good at this one thing. And I really enjoy doing this one thing. And I make a lot of money when I do this one thing. And now all I have to do is this one thing. Or you could be like, man, I really like this one thing. But in order to do the one thing I really like, I got to go through 23, 24 things I absolutely hate and despise and will self-sabotage the entire time. Well, hopefully you pick number one, unless you've had a little too much fun on 420, in which case, sober up, get a hold of your life, go wash your face, throw a tic-tac in there, let's get back on the horse. So, one, it will allow you to delegate the things that you don't like to do. Two, it will allow you to focus on what you're really good at. Like recently, I bit the bullet. And I said, you know what? I'm done writing sales copy. I just hate writing sales copy. It's not for me. I love reading about sales copy. I love learning about it. I love coming up with hooks and ideas. But when it comes to putting pen to paper, I absolutely despise it. So as a result of that, I started outsourcing my copy. What it allows me to do now is I just meet with the copywriter once a week. And I'm like, hey, here's my idea. Here's the hook. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's everything they're going to get. Bam you do the hard work and within a week I've usually got a sales letter that I can start looking at so that's what's really huge for me because in the past I would sit down and I'd obsess over the copy and I'd think about it and I'd waste a week two weeks three weeks getting these products to market now I can literally sit down and say hey I've got this idea on Monday I want to sell it by Friday and usually we're able to accomplish that sometimes we're not and I'll talk about that in a moment with the dangers of outsourcing So the key is to get started, start small, okay? And start outsourcing the thing you hate the most the quickest. All right, So that's when it comes to outsourcing services. I'll, I'll give you a prime example. Uh, I recently did a launch. We did a couple hundred units. It was my no launch launch, meaning I didn't plan on launching it. It just turned into a bunch of work. And I thought, well, damn it, if I'm going to do this much work, I might as well launch it. And I thought, well, if I'm going to launch it, I might as well sell you know, at least 500 copies of it, which we did. The cool thing about that product was this sales copy was outsourced the graphic design was outsourced the product idea itself was outsourced there was nothing that i did except generate the sales message and that was in the form of emails and a video that I did personally everything else was given to other people to accomplish and you may be thinking like well Tim that's gotta be really expensive and it can be however I I have found the best way to get started is to just start small so this project was a good example this project probably could have been done by anyone just like me for a few thousand dollars or less Okay, probably fifteen hundred bucks or less to put it out there and then show the marketplace and get it out there and have people start buying and build a list, which we'll definitely have to talk at one day about how basically your list is going to determine your lifestyle in traditional Internet marketing. And your list will kind of determine your income, your lifestyle, your growth, your happiness, your success level, you know, just little things like that. Pause for drink. All right. So, let's say you've decided now, all right, I've got this one thing I really hate it. I don't want to do it anymore and I want to outsource. So the next question is, well, okay, Tim, I want to outsource, but what do I do? Typically what I will do if it's a one off project like i need a plugin installed or wordpress set up or something like that i'll typically go to a place like fiverr f i v e r r.com and and hire people there if it's anything uh, long term in depth requires above a third grade education i'll typically go to a site called odesk.com again odesk.com i'll uh, I'll hang my shingle out there post an ad and and typically get you know uh, a few Uh, to a few hundred responses back for it. So a perfect example, like for all our Kindle books, they're all 100% outsourced. We don't write any part of them or very little of them, I should say. So let's say I'm I'm hiring a writer in this place. Let's say it's a creative person that you want. I typically do this, okay? I'll typically come out with a... um, a job description. That's what those are called in the English language, right? Um, I'll typically come up with a job description. I'll post it there. In the job description, I do a few critical things that you should copy and steal and do yourself. The first thing I do is I put a catchphrase. So like I'll use Red Dragon or White Knight or something like that. And I'll make them respond to that when they put up their listing. And the the purpose of them replying to the listing is to let me know they're interested. But the real purpose of having that catchphrase is just to prevent people who are... um Autobots, you know, auto software. So if they don't say like White Dragon when they respond, I immediately disqualify them. I would say 99% of those people I immediately disqualify unless they give me a reason not to. And the real reason you do that is, one, it takes care of the auto posting software, but two, it makes sure it is that they can follow direction. Because honestly, if you're not going to um, follow my direction or re- reply to my request or read a job posting so thoroughly that you know exactly how I want you to respond then chances are we're probably not going to work together and to put it bluntly I've never hired someone before the job who was an asshole and then turned into less of an asshole after I hired them. right so that's one thing one I do Thing two is I always get a sample and if they don't have samples I always get a small bit of work so we're actually hiring illustrators for one of our books so what I'm telling them is hey I want you to Um, give them to me and I want you to do a sample project and we'll typically pay that person for that one-off project but it gives me a chance again to check the things that are important the quality of work and their communication and their turnaround I work very very fast this guy I'm having working on a sales page for us right he got to work over the weekend because I needed it that fast and he was still behind so you'll find as an entrepreneur very few people work as fast as you But I'm always cracking the whip, so to speak, because I want it done like yesterday. Because I'm an ADD person, I'm really excited about this idea this week. Next week, I'm kind of, eh, the week after that, forget about it. And two weeks now I'm like, what idea? What are you talking about? Did you tell me about it on 420? Well, you knew I wasn't going to remember. Duh. So some type of keyword in there. Get some type of sample up front hire them for a one-off job, make sure that they're doing well, and then expand as necessary. So I hire them typically for the minimum job, and then I'll hire them for the complete job. So in this case, let's just go with illustrators. I hire them to do one illustration. I like it. I'd say, hey, I need 24 more. And then if they do that task within a certain amount of time that I ask them to, for the budget that I ask them to, then I will open it up and I go, hey, uh, by the way, I do these books about once a month. Do you want to just work with me on a once a month basis and be responsible for doing one of the books so let me give you some critical things some big screw-ups that I did so that you don't do them when hiring your outsourcers the first thing is this always pay in flat fee never hourly are there exceptions to the rule yes have I found that one that I'm willing to make no Early in my career, I used to do hourly jobs, and they were awesome. And they were great, except for I had an employee and not only did I have an employee that I had to track their hours now it built in this natural conflict here 's what I mean by that it 's a natural conflict because if i 'm an hourly employee, I want to stay as long as possible, but if I'm paying you hourly, I want you to be done as quick as possible. So it creates that natural conflict. With a flat rate, I don't care. I got a lady, I pay her a few hundred bucks for a specific task. I give it to her uh, and say, hey, I need it by the end of the month, typically she's done a week or two early. Well, guess what? I just hire her for the next task. So over the course of a year, she'll probably get four or five extra tasks in there at a few hundred bucks. I mean, it definitely, definitely adds up. So do a flat fee, right? Start small, then build and grow and scale as you need to. So mistake number one is paying hourly versus flat fee. Here's mistake number two, and that's being cheap. When I first got started, I went for the cheapest price possible, right? I was like, holy crap, I can get this lady to work for me for 64 cents an hour. Well, guess what? She worked about 64 cents an hour's worth. Cheapness doesn't always equate to price. or Cost doesn't always equate to price, meaning, okay, it's pretty terrible when you hire someone to do a big job for you and you pay them the lowest price possible and then they fail and then you're shocked that they failed unfortunately what happens with a lot of these outsourcers they're trying to drum up work they're trying to hustle so they'll bid the cheapest price to get into the job then once they get into the job they look it over and they go holy crap this is a lot of work i'm only doing 64 cents an hour this isn't going to work for me so i recommend what I recommend you do is you pay a fair price, and I always start with a budget. I've got a minimum and a maximum. I started at a minimum. Let's say my minimum is a hundred, my maximum is two hundred. I'll start at a hundred bucks, and I'll incrementally go up there for quality, or if I get no responses on the job posting. So pay, pay a fair price. The other thing is this: don't be afraid to bonus people. Had that sales letter uh, designer got back with me in a reasonable amount of time and got the job done by Saturday when I needed it instead of Sunday when it's still not done yet, right? I would have gave them a bonus of 30, 40 bucks. Not a big deal if you're here in the States, although, you know, it's a meal out. Um, But if you're overseas particularly, that's, you know, that could be a day or weeks or in some cases, sadly, a month's pay. So always incentivize them with good pay, but also reward them if they get the work done properly and they get it done on time. I'm trying to get to where I build a team of several people I can rely upon, which leads me to the next mistake, which is don't have a single linchpin in your business. The reason I had to go hustle this guy out on a Thursday or Friday night was because our, our normal graphics people, who I'm not going to name because I still like them, uh, bailed on us. They, they just couldn't get the job done in time and didn't respond to our request. Well, that's a a learning experience for me because I only had one person to do that job. So now what I'm doing is I'm going and I'm getting backups and eventually I'll be getting backups to the backups. That's a writer downer and a drinker. So start with one, but as soon as you find one, add a second and a third because you never know what happens. And if you have one person that's in control of everything, when that one person leaves it desperately puts you behind because the graphics guys couldn't get us done in time I had to go find another guy who's running behind which means the promo I was supposed to start on Friday is now probably not even going to start until Monday the bad news is I need it to be done by Tuesday to move on right so there's a lot of learnable moments in that don't have one person okay give those people ample time to do it I probably shot myself in the foot by waiting so late so it's part on me okay but it's also on them And the final, well, there's two more. Um, The big mistake uh, I see a lot of people doing is, and I did this, is like, oh, I have this assistant. They'll do everything. They'll, you know, transcribe videos for me. They'll write up reports. They'll answer email. They'll set up my support. They'll do X. They'll do Y. They'll do Z. Well, here's the little secret about outsourcing you know how you're so bad at some things that you outsource them well chances are your outsourcers bad at some things that you would want to outsource so initially I would get one person I would say okay well they're gonna do everything for me they're gonna handle it all and then I would say okay wait now they're really good at these two or three things but they suck at this uh, things three four and five So why don't we just let them do what they're really good at and we'll go find someone that's good at those other areas. It does increase your cost and your staff size, quote unquote. But remember, you're typically hiring these people for a one-off job. Very rarely are we talking about long-term employment here. So no jack of all trades, okay? Don't be cheap. Pay flat rate, okay? Start small, get a sample, then a small job. Keep in contact with them regularly. I typically keep in contact two to three times a week uh, with my outsourcers or at least my project manager who's managing those outsourcers, okay? Don't expect a jack of all trades. And if you are thinking about a long term position, consider doing this. This is what I do with all my long term employees. They understand they have to pay me a two to one. Deficit, right? That's not deficit's not the right word there. Uh, they have to pay me a two to one return. Okay, basically, um, what they need to do is they need to, if I pay them a thousand dollars to keep it easy, they need to make me two thousand dollars a month. Now that doesn't mean they go out and they sell a product, but maybe they're part of a big launch, or maybe they help get some books published, or maybe they help advance my business in some way. That is huge and critical. So your employees rarely should be costing you. And if they are, like month 1, the brand new employee gets up to speed, month 2, they should be chugging along at 100%. By month 3, you need to be having a serious talk with them if they're not. And you need to also look for ways that they can be influencing you and in making money. Like we had an employee that was doing some work for us that I didn't find really valuable even though it was totally necessary, but there was this one task that I did find valuable that I gave to them and it instantly made me recognize and appreciate having them on staff. Okay. Um, So I would tell you to learn all of those things. Outsourcing can be amazing. I'll be honest with you. Your business is going to hit a natural wall based upon what you're doing, uh, especially if you do everything. Now, I don't advocate going out and getting a huge staff. I mean, you know, I make a very comfortable living and I have one full-time assistant and one ultra part-time assistant. And honestly, everything else we outsource. And if I was to do it all over again, I'd probably keep doing the same thing. Um, I would just probably outsource a lot sooner. And let me give you one final tip on outsourcing that will make it easy for you um, to do or easier. What I've started doing is I've started allocating 25% of my profit into what I call my reinvestment fund. Okay, and that fund is basically going to be used to reinvest into my business. So when I grumble about having to pay a few hundred bucks for this or a few thousand bucks from that, as long as it's in my reinvestment fund, I realize, hey, I've already set that money aside for growth. And the bottom line is the government can get it or my business can be improved with it. Which one would I rather prefer? Okay, by the way, I know that was a politic thing. I don't need anyone that's like, you know, uh, bathed in the American flag to send me a you know Obama for president 2018 sticker or anything like that. Just you know, calm down. Religion and politics—that's your thing. That's awesome. That's great. So, recapping, final thoughts, if you will, on outsourcing. Definitely do it as soon as you can financially afford to, because it will end up being an investment center and a profit generator, not a revenue uh, sucker. You know, or something that you should be losing money. Start small, build up. Do project by project when you finally think that you maybe have found someone, then have a regular and consistent work um, agreement with them. In addition to that, no matter how good the person is, eventually they're going to fail or fall off the face of the earth or something out of your control is going to happen. So always have a backup. And when you get really big, have a backup to the backup. That way you're not worried about it so there you have it my friends there is my information to you completely free all you had to do was listen to my witty banter about Easter 420 and of course drinking on the air as I recap the amazing week I hope that you uh, continue to listen to the 2 Drink Tim podcast I appreciate all the love and support out there for it I will let you know the second that we actually get our official iTunes account set up that way you can add it to your podcast feed and ignore it like the uh, million other podcasts that you download I'm grateful for for your time and attention and I look forward to hanging out with you again very, very soon.